Welcome to Women Investing in Women and Girls on the State of Women Radio Network. I'm your host, Michelle Jaffe. And I'm your host, Avery McCall. And we are so thrilled to welcome our guest today on the show, Erin Andrew, who is the Assistant Administrator for Women's Business Ownership at the U.S. Small Business Administration. Erin, it's great having you on air today with us. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. Oh, of course. So, Erin, it's great that you're on air because on this show, we often feature different organizations and accelerators that work to help female business owners. But this is the first time that we have had the opportunity to learn about how government agencies do the same. And I think it'll be really special to give female business owners another resource they can use to help grow and scale their businesses. Um, So just to start off, you know, maybe people have heard of the SBA before, but might not really know what it does. So can you describe the role of the Small Business Administration, what it does, um, and who it impacts? No, absolutely, and and very happy to do that. I, I like to say we depend very much on earned media at the U.S. government and through the Small Business Administration. We have so much to offer entrepreneurs as they start and grow their business, and oftentimes people just don't know about those resources. But I do want to say we have 68 district offices across the country um, where anyone can go and get help and get information on our resources. And also our website, sba.gov, has all of those resources available. Just to kind of put it into sort of an elevator pitch for the agency, we like to often say that we kind of, um, we have three C's and a D. We have access to capital, access to contracting through federal government spend, access to free and low-cost counseling. Counseling is a third C. And then we also do disaster loans during a time of disaster, and that's that. That's the D. But I want to just quickly give a really brief overview of those three C's. On the access to capital, we have lending programs. We have microloan programs that are under $50,000. And we also have a loan guarantee program, a working capital loan guarantee program, a 7A program that goes up to $5 million with no floor. And we have a program for a loan guarantee program for real estate and machinery that goes up to $5 million with no floor. And I, and I have to say in that space, something that's been really good for women, two good things. Um, we've really changed the underwriting of our smaller dollar loans. So we saw sort of a gap going from the micro loan to sort of the larger conventional loan guarantee that we do. Um, and we've really changed some things. So it's easier now to get a loan in the $150,000 range than it probably was um, before the recession. So that's one mm-hmm. change. Another thing is we created a platform, which is like a matchmaking platform Um, Our administrator likes to call it Match.com for lenders and borrowers, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's it's SBA Link, L-I-N-C, and if you go to our website, sba.gov, and look up L-I-N-C, you can actually post as a potential borrower your profile and your business and what you're looking for and be connected with SBA lenders, micro lenders, conventional lenders that use our um, guarantee as well as CDFIs and other mission-based lenders. So that's the first C. The second C, uh, I'll go through kind of quickly, 23% of all federal spend needs to go to small businesses. So all of the federal agencies have a goal to do business with small businesses. And we also have a set-aside for women-owned small businesses. 5% um, of the federal spend needs to go to women-owned small businesses. And for the first time in history this past year, we actually made that goal, which it's sad because it's only 5%, but we were glad we made it, and I think there's a lot more to, to go. So that's just another option for folks that are looking to do business with the federal government. And then finally, 
Our last fee, counseling, um, there are over 14,000 resource partners across the country that provide free and at low-cost counseling and training to anyone that walks through their doors. So we have women's business centers, small business development centers, SCORE chapters, and veterans business outreach centers. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the elevator pitch. But one thing I didn't mention, we also do a fund to funds. that's called the Small Business Investment Company Program, and we do a fund to funds program as well and also um, fund accelerators. Um, we have an accelerated grant program, and we also work with different agencies on a small business innovation research program um, that helps small business, um, you know, do get grants for innovations um, where the federal government has a need. So that's a lot of information, but hopefully it mm-hmm. sort of frames where the SBA is and how we can be helpful. So wonderful. All of these different tools that entrepreneurs can use are so helpful. With that said, however... How is the SBA positioned differently from other accelerators and organizations that help support female business owners? I think we like to support those entities that are also supporting um, women business owners. Not only do we do one-on-one business and, and, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs go to our district offices um, to get help, but they're referred to those accelerators that I mentioned earlier. They're referred to our women's business centers and our small business development centers to get the direct one-on-one counseling that they need and training that they need. So we kind of play that kind of connector in the ecosystem, but then we also come um, up with the resources to those organizations and for those organizations to provide those kind of one-on-one counseling um, opportunities and services. But we also, like on the capital side, as we mentioned, really do play a role um, and ensuring that there is more access to capital for, for entrepreneurs who have sometimes trouble accessing capital. That loan guarantee, usually when an individual can't get a conventional loan, a bank will use an SBA loan guarantee to get a loan to a business owner. So I think we play with a couple of different you know hats within the ecosystem. But I think the bottom line is there are a lot of doors where you can enter the SBA and there are resources available no, no matter what you're looking for. Excellent. And to get to the root of the issue of why the SBA does what it does and why you do what you do, let's talk more about the different kinds of challenges that female entrepreneurs face. Absolutely. So I think um, as we've seen, as you've talked about and the the interactions that you've had, being a woman in business comes with its own unique uphill battle that male counterparts may not face when starting out or may not face when building their businesses. so I think it's really important that we sort of get a foundational understanding of what these issues may be and pinpoint those sort of resources that you're working with. So in your work at SBA, what have been the most significant challenges across the board that you've seen female entrepreneurs face? So, no, that's a great question. I would say access to capital is probably the number one challenge we hear about. And then just knowing where to go, access to resources. Like the resources are there to help folks start and grow their business, but there's sometimes so much out there that people don't know where to begin. And I would say those are probably so, you know, figuring out how, you know, where to find a mentoring network, figuring out how to find an answer to a question. So the access to capital and then the access to those, like, those counseling mentoring resources are the two biggest challenges. And on the access to capital side, I mentioned earlier, there definitely, um, we saw in our lending programs, a huge challenge because, our microloan program, women make up about 51% of our microloan program. But as you get further along the scale and you look at our working capital and real estate and machinery program, our 504 and our 7A, 
it's under 20% that they make up, you know, those, those programs. So there's kind of a gap in the access to capital space. So we've been, we've made some changes with the underwriting of our smaller dollar loans to address that. Um, and that's on the debt space. On the equity space, um, there are a lot of challenges. I think, you know, we all have heard the stats that women make up less than 5% of venture capitalists and receive mm-hmm. less than 5% of venture capital. Um, but also, women make up 80% of the purchasing power in this country. So there's clearly, you know, an opportunity to do more. And we've been working within the SDIC program, as well as outreach on the investment side, on the equity side, to figure out, you know, how we can get more women to the table in making those investment decisions. Absolutely. And I think um, you touched on something really important there that I think we've seen the rise of recently is this notion of where to begin. And again, this difference between men who are starting out in business and female entrepreneurs, women have such a wealth of mentors and role models that don't necessarily exist for women. So we've seen the rise of campaigns such as Lean In, which are driven around a sense of community and really the strength of women in business, um, shifting the dialogue around how women pursue their goals. What challenges have you seen exist around finding female role models in business? And why do you think it's so important for women to have a network of women mentors who are going through the same things that they have or who are already really an established leadership position? No, it's a great question. And I think for women finding mentors, I think there's so many challenges that women face um, with the business and also outside of the business and having someone that they can be open with is really important. I always like Carla Harris from the National Women's Business Council, I always think um, makes differentiates the, the mentor and sponsorship conversation really well where she says, you know, women need mentors, but they also need sponsors. And and mentors are who you can tell the good, the bad, and the ugly to. I mean, you can tell them everything, your concerns, um, insecurities, questions about, you know, growing your business or even within the work environment. And then sponsors are those that you just show your good self to. And sponsors are those heads of organizations or they're heads of divisions that can kind of elevate you and bring you along and get you to that next position. Um, and I often hear for women, there are mentors and finding women mentors is so critical and it's something we still, you know, we still work with our resource partners and other folks to continue to make sure that women can find those female mentors. But I, I see women having a, a, a sometimes even a bigger challenge with finding those sponsors. And sometimes women, you know, can be over mentored and under sponsored. And I think it's really important to find a balance of the two. Yeah, absolutely. That's really Really interesting. I think sort of this differentiation between mentors and sponsors is critical, especially how you um, mentioned within the venture capitalist sphere, how there is such a polarity in the representation of women and how they interact in that space. Um, And I think the last challenge that I think, uh, as I was doing some research, seemed to crop up quite frequently is financial literacy and the potential support or hindrance that it can be for business success. So I was wondering sort of what you see the pitfalls around financial literacy or confidence around financial literacy crop up um, and how that impacts the long-term trajectory of businesses. No, another great question. And I think financial literacy is so critical for anyone and everyone. Women generally, when they start their business, start their business with less less capital and less capital from family and friends as well. They tend to be a little, um, just generally speaking, um, less likely to ask 
for, you know, more capital. Um, they're less likely to take on debt in the form of loans. And we have actually, we had a study that showed women that were trying to access SBA loans um, didn't. And it wasn't because their financial profile didn't lend themselves to get and access those loans. And this was compared to male um, counterparts, but it was because of the fear of not getting the loan. So I think there's a huge confidence gap that some women have completely overcome, which is really great. But I think getting to know, um, getting, being very comfortable with, you know, financial literacy, being very comfortable with sort of the finances of your business is important, but you also need to kind of jump in and know that there are folks that are going to be there to support and help you as well. Um, and so I think financial literacy is absolutely an important thing. And our resource partners have um, a lot of classes and, and support um, that focus on supporting women and men um, in the financial literacy you know, space as their you know, personal finances, but then how that also plays into their business finances as well. Certainly, and I think um, that's a great segue back to Michelle is the resources that you have to support uh, men and especially women business owners to understand the resources that they have and understand how to most effectively launch their businesses. So I'll pass it back off to Michelle to discuss that a little bit more. Yeah, thank you, Avery. I think you touched on a really important point that financial literacy and all of the skills necessary to be a successful entrepreneur um, you know, you're not born with them. Many people who decide to start their own businesses actually don't have some of the necessary business skills to run a venture, read balance statements, um, decide how much of an investment they need, etc. So it's really great to hear about how the SBA helps entrepreneurs with all of these things. Um, so I'd love to get to know more about um, what the SBA does to help these women. One of the main issues that female entrepreneurs face is access to capital. You touched a little bit about how the SBA helps with this, but can you go more into depth about what the loan program is and how it makes it easier for female entrepreneurs to access these loans? No, absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, 51% of our microloan program um, is made up of women. And so we have nonprofits, mission-based lenders that we provide funding to. And I would say women are doing really well in that space, in the microloan space, and that's $50,000 and below. And the average of those loans is about thirteen to 17000 And those are generally women who have had a hard time getting conventional loans or even just getting a loan guarantee through SBA. They usually start out as the microloan side of things just to prove concepts, to make sure they repay, to demonstrate that they will be, you know, a responsible lender or a responsible borrower. Um, on the other side, on our, our loan guarantee program, I mentioned our 7A working capital loan, which is up to $5 million with no floor. And we're very creative. 7A was the statute for the, for the loan. So that is the program name um, for the loan program. Um, and then uh, the 504 program, also the statute number for the loan program, is our real estate and machinery um, loan guarantee, and it goes up to $5 million with no floor. Um, on our working capital loan after the recession, so for a bank, it costs a bank, each time they do an SBA loan, they have to pay a fee associated okay. with using that loan guarantee. And so it's more profitable for a bank to do fewer larger dollar loans. So they would do a couple of, you know, a million dollars, three million, four million dollars, and so we saw that a lot. They were doing higher dollar loans, but fewer loans. And when we look at the stats and you look at where women 
kind of, uh, you know, reside in terms of different industries. Women tend to be, and not always, and we want more women in manufacturing, but they tend to be in less capital-intensive industries. Um, so they wouldn't need necessarily a loan. Like I said, I hope a lot of women get out there and are building, you know, these, you know, capital-intensive, you know, industries, building within those industries. But right now, that's just sort of where the stats are. So what you see is women were really unable to get into the pipeline. They could get a micro loan, but then as they went to find a loan for $100,000, $150,000, which is what they needed in some of those industries, they couldn't even get in because banks weren't necessarily lending in that dollar range. So we zeroed out the fees. SBA zeroed out the fees because we saw for women and for other underserved communities, we were not doing as well, stats, statistics, statistically speaking, and we really wanted to get more women and other underserved communities into the pipeline. So we zeroed out the fees on the guarantees for the loans under $150,000 in our working capital loan. So loans under $150,000, the bank doesn't have to pay a fee to use the guarantee. So it incentivized the bank to get more capital on the streets at that dollar size, which in turn, actually, we saw an uptick in the number of women accessing SBA working capital loans. It actually was over 25% increase over just a couple year span because of that change. So that's wow. kind of an example of something we've done in terms of the underwriting. We also created, like I mentioned, the match.com for lenders and borrowers. I think for women oftentimes, and you know, for women who have working, you know, are working families and, and other people, it's hard. Sometimes, you know, the, the relationship with the banker might happen on the golf, um, on, you know, playing golf, or it might happen, you know, after work, or it might happen. And I think we've seen so many women from the networking side, time-wise, it can be a strain and it can be difficult. And sometimes it's hard for them to break into some of those male-dominated networks in the access to capital side of things. So SBA Link was a way for us to sort of level the playing field and allow access at any point in time. They can, you know, if they're doing it at 9 o'clock at night after, you know, they've done other work or been at home, like they can easily put up their profile on um, SBA link. So we're trying to find ways. I think access is the most critical thing here. And I know our administrator access has been something that's been very important to her access to the resources, um, for communities that haven't necessarily been able to access those resources in the past. And women, you know, make up those folks that where it's, you know, it has been tough at times to access. Um, so those are a few things on the equity side, the small business investment company, um, program that I mentioned is a fund to fund that the SBA has. And we've been really looking at recruiting more women fund managers. We actually have a report that's coming out later this summer that demonstrating how women are doing in our SBIC fund. And then also how women entrepreneurs, you know, how many women entrepreneurs are accessing our SBA funds. And I think it's helpful because it's, you know, the venture um, space, the equity space in general is very opaque. So figuring out what's going on, we know the, the numbers are dismal and we know that, you know, as I mentioned, less than 5% um, getting venture capital as well as venture capitalist women. Um, but this is an opportunity for us to really look at this data because we have it. It's public data. We know, um, you know, what is going on. So we're doing this report and we're going to be releasing it. We've been working with the Library of Congress to do that, our Office of Innovation and Investment here at SBA. So, Erin, how can entrepreneurs access these loans? What steps can they take and where can they go to get more information about all of this? Great, because um, we want folks to remember this. So I'm going to repeat it a couple of times. So, sba.gov 
SBA.gov, SBA.gov, SBA.gov. <laughs> and I'm sorry I said that so many times, but we want people to come to the website. And there is a tab that's called Local Resources at the top of the website. You can click on that, put in your zip code, and find the SBA district office in your local area. You can contact the SBA district office, tell them you're interested in finding a loan, or tell them you need to find a resource partner because um, you need help with your business plan, and they can put you point you in the right direction. As I mentioned, there are a couple of different resource partners um, that you could go to, our women's business centers, our uh, small business development centers, our SCORE chapters, our veterans business outreach centers, and each of them play a different role within the ecosystem locally. So some might have a strength in a certain industry or a certain point of business. Um, and so I think it's really important to work with the SBA district office. You can also go directly to our resource partner, and they're listed on that page as well. In addition, we have links to the local SBIC funds, to our microlenders. Um, so information is on the website, and I really encourage folks to go there. We also have a lot of tutorials and tutorials videos um, and some and online courses that could be helpful. And we actually have something that's called Size Up too. So if someone's interested in figuring out how their business comp you know, compares to other businesses that are similar in the area, they can put their business t type in and their zip code and find out, you know, potential revenues of, of a business, how many employees, what people pay their employees. So we've got some really cool tools. We also have a business planner tool online at the government website of sba.gov. So I really encourage folks to use that and then visit one of our resource partners in the district office. Great, Erin, so many useful tools. I think this is such an important conversation to have. Um, but if you are a premium content subscriber, be sure to keep listening to our conversation with Erin. We have plenty more to get to. But for now, I'd like to invite our listeners to connect with us by going to facebook.com slash womeninvesting or follow us on Twitter with the handle at womeninvesting. Thank you to everyone who has been listening in today. You've been listening to Women Investing and Women and Girls. This show is produced by the State of Women Radio Network, the first radio network for women and girls. Again, if you are a premium subscriber to the State of Women, stay tuned. But for now, I'm your host, Michelle Jaffe. 